This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Spartan 117. Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. Anthony and Skyler will take it from here. Master Chief, out. Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. My name is Anthony Nicolosi. And I'm Skylar Sokol. And today we are going to be talking da, 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 narrative design, <laughs> Skylar. That's, that's right. The narrative design theme song that we worked so hard on before the podcast <laughs> and you nailed it. Yeah, I mean, narrative design, what the frick are we talking about? Um, <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, this is your topic. You've been obsessed with a book lately about screenwriting and about so cats. you want to talk a tiny bit about, about that oh, about cats, cats. do it right the screenplays the the the, <laughs> the the fans should know i love saving cats specifically i love when blake snyder explains how to save the cat in his book titled save the cat it is a wow. <laughs> it is a book intended uh, as like aimed at screenwriters specifically in this case movie you know hollywood screenwriters right um However, I've been reading it. Uh, it was recommended by Mike Bithel on the Play, Watch, Listen podcast. And the man has some, you know, there's reason to listen to him on the narrative front um, from his his work in his games. Thomas was alone. Thomas is alone. What was the name of that? Thomas game? was. was. I think it's was alone. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, he uh, highly recommended it. He thought it was extremely beneficial from a story structure uh, standpoint. And uh, I was reading it, I was listening to it, and at one point, Blake Snyder breaks down um, how, in his opinion, you know, for, to have a good structure, a good skeleton, if you will, to the story, he breaks out a 15-beat structure, right? So, the story nice. needs to have these, so the screenwriting like has these 15 15-4 four time? Yeah, 15-4. It's really, really catchy. <laughs> cool. yeah, yeah, some Hindustani raga. Yeah. <laughs> um, now... The 15 beats that he outlines don't necessarily line up, I think, uh, to like what would be nice to experience in a video game par- per se. But there are certain okay. core elements of it that got me thinking about how hard it is to write a good story, at least looking at it this way, in a game. Um, specifically because games have, um, well, they have a, a few unique elements to them that other forms of media like movies or books don't have, primarily the autonomous interaction of the player um, to some extent, yeah. right? So, so I have a question. What? Yep, go ahead. What, since we're talking about, you say it's hard to write a good story for a game, right? What does a good story mean to you? Yeah, let me... In that, for a game. Uh, in that sentence... What I meant specifically was it's hard to write a story that can somewhat adhere to the skeleton that he outlines um, for a game. Which is what you would define as a good story, ba- well, a story I based think, on his skeleton? or Yeah, I think that this skeleton's a way that we can think about it. And let me actually outline the 15 beats that he says. I'll just yeah. say their names, and I think they kind cool. of speak for themselves um, to give you an idea. So these are the 15 beats in order, chronological order that the story, in this case, the movie you can say should have. The first one is termed the opening image. Second, theme stated. Third, the setup. Fourth, the catalyst. Fifth, the debate. Skylar's favorite part. Six, 
The break into You're two. Right. <laughs> the break into two. Split up. Uh, number seven, B story. That's a very screenwriting kind of term. Eight, fun and games. Nine, the midpoint. Ten, the bad guys close in. Eleven, all is lost. Twelve, dark night of the soul. Thirteen, break into three. And then fourteen, the finale. Finished off with fifteen, which is the final image. So I gotcha. You know, the the idea is that a theme is stated up front. There's a setup sort of that sort of backs up the premise for the theme. There's a catalyst that kind of throws that the whole world in the setting already set up uh, kind of into dismay and kind of on its head and gives it gives credence to the antithesis antith- antithesis. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Got it. First first try. First um, try. And then there's this rest of the structure that kind of makes it engaging. There's the the hero. Like he gets into a bunch of details and we uh-huh. you know, we and et cetera, but it's more or less this idea of having a theme, setting it up, having something that contrasts it to provide this um alternate alternate view and sort of the journey of exploring the uh you know, there's this first part where the hero, if you will, kind of uh um, sort of succeeds in his mission and his theme, but then the bad guys kind of, you know, get back at him or, you know, there's bad, there's problems, whatever that kind of make that initial success sort of flip on his, flip on his head and the hero's kind of in dismay, whatever. And then there's this finale where finally the hero comes back and resolves so or solidifies the is theme. this structure meant to give us like a structure for all what he would consider good stories? So, because like I, I'm just like thinking in my head of a lot of stories that I consider good that I don't know follow this structure necessarily. So, so as he gets through the book, and quite frankly, I'm I'm not prepared to like without reading it literally right now to like tell you. But he actually like comedies, dramas of all kinds, like fall movies at least fall do follow this structure, even though they're not necessarily like when bad guys close in. It's not necessarily like there's a super villain or some shit like sometimes it's just the tax you know evasion penalties catch up to him you know or some shit so anyway the point being is that this has a clear structure and when you're in a medium like tv uh movies tv or a book that you can you can lay out the direction of the story any way you want you can have the characters participate in any way they want of course it needs to be well done and, you know, uh, uh, in, um, what's the right word here? Sewn together in a way that's actually like enjoyable to read and everything. The characters have to have meaningful development. But the, the main thing is that you, the writer, or you, you have control over it. The, the reader is just strictly consuming it. You know, there's, there's no interaction there. So that's different in games, right? Um, and I am wondering, from your I, well, perspective, I don't know if that's different in games, right? Because okay. the the reader or the consumer is still immersed in the universe, and games immerse you in a different way. But it's still just a, all about immersion, right? Like the reason the interactivity of games is compelling is because it provides additional immersion that you wouldn't normally be able to get from those other mediums. But those other mediums are also seeking the same immersion in the so universe, for, for not example, necessarily as you par- being in the universe, but just being connected deeply with the characters and such. So, okay. So, for example, let's touch on the first 
the first beat is the opening image and the 15th is the final image. And he makes a big deal about the fact that the between the first and the 15th, like literally those two beats, there should be a clear distinction in like the uh, journey that the, the player or the hero or the person, the the experience has gone on. It doesn't even necessarily have to be the hero and sort of the growth and learning and emotional journey that's happened there. So for example, let's give an example like a game. So let's say there's a game that starts out with like an imagery of like an oppressed, um, can you state. give like a real example of a movie uh, or something or, uh, not really. Okay. <laughs> Off the top of my head, not quickly. I'm kind of thinking of like, um, uh, Shit, half life. Just something real Half-Life. rather than something I'm, theoretical. I'm, I'm thinking of Half Life, Alex. So I don't know if you've watched people stream it recently, I but it. okay. And so I don't want be- you to spoil the final image of a game on our podcast that came out this year. More of the <laughs> more of the initial image I wanted okay. to use as a basis. So like the clear, I can't remember what's the name of like the agency or whatever the fuck who's the the bad guys. Whatever those bad guys are, they they you know they're machines are sort of patrolling through the city um their guards are kind of through there's a clear like oppressed state kind of a feel like the state is oppressing you kind of a feel to where how you're navigating the streets right so let's just say there was a game that started in that way and that by the end explored the like basically breaking free of that that oppressed overlord thing and that the final image is more or less that city freed from these people right Pretty straightforward understanding, right? Um, Literally that first image, right? If you you need to, as a level designer, in order for me to make sure that I notice the oppressed state, you need to design it such that like when I start the game, I open up into that apartment like Half-Life Alex does, and there's basically like just two windows, right? And you see things. Like you literally can't do anything else there's no other way you can kind of exp- enter into the world, right? Um, sure. You, though, technically, as a, in a game, could design that a different way. You could say, like, we're going to plop the guy in the middle of the plaza or whatever, and we're going to, eventually, once they navigate themselves to the main street of the city, they'll see the state. But that's this is sort of the, the point So there's I'm a saying. game called Homefront, um, I believe is what it was called. We're Which doing is sort research. of it's similar, and yeah, and it starts by like immersing you in this oppressed state where you like see people on the streets and participate in like people getting oppressed and stuff like that. So how do they execute like that? Just by you walking around and experiencing it, and like you get you someone like harasses you and all that shit. So the point I'm trying to make not is that these narratives can't exist, but that literally for you, for example, in a movie. You have complete execution over the camera, how it's going to pan over the scene, how it's right. going, what the player, what the viewer is going to see over the book. You have ex- total control over the, the way that imagery is going to be painted with the words you use and this context, the setting that you paint out the way you want to paint right. it, paint it out with the game. You don't necessarily have control. It depends. It depends on what your design preferences are. But let's say that you're l- allowing them to move freely around the space and whatever. You don't necessarily. You're not guaranteed that they're going to look out window A at the the angle that communicates this vista of oppression of an oppressed state. They might just like walk down the stairs, you know, and sure. not look out that window. Right. So um, that that is kind of what I'm saying is like a unique challenge. For games, um, yeah. 
I mean, I in, think this is why very commonly game stories are presented through cutscenes and through, at least traditionally in like the past, when designers or developers weren't willing to take these like story risks that they take now. Basically, games were just a series of gameplay sections followed by cutscenes that conveyed the story. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now, you have way larger, I was going to say part- portfolio, I don't know if that's the right word, but you've played a way more games period but especially on the narrative front um and i wanted to get your thoughts because in in my opinion from what like some some of these narrative driven games give uh, from a design perspective um it, it, half-life alex is a three-dimensional space you have control largely control over where you go like you can kind of go wherever you want as long as the level design allows you to sure um other games though are more restrictive on that front um, including some narrative games. I'm also thinking of like uh, the Pony game, Pony Island. Pony Island. Like you just, I mean, you're much, at least f- the, my perception is like it, you're, it, uh, I perceive that I'm much more limited when I'm playing that game than if I'm in the Half-Life world. To some degree. I mean, there are like open world sections of that game and there is like stuff hidden in the menus of that game, which is not something that exists in Half-Life Alex. So it's just different, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah how do you think of some of the for example what remains of edith finch that's a Mm -hmm. game highly regarded from narrative standpoint what do you do you think that some of the design decisions they make help the narrative uh delivery if you will and like which ones do you think i mean make a big difference So i think there's three types of narrative video games i think there's games that are all like the narrative is the main focus of the game there's games where the gameplay is the main focus and there may be little to no narrative or just a skeleton of a narrative. And then there's games that try to do them in a combined way. Um, and how effective the games are at doing that is like a very wide range, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I think in the past, a lot of games relied on cutscenes to convey the narrative in an effective way, which basically just turns the game into a movie, right? A yeah. movie with some interactive pieces in between. And I think in the like modern gaming... Um, that just isn't effective anymore. I just don't find that that effective for me. Like, I'm not that interested in a game where I just like have a million cutscenes. Right? You want the gameplay to convey the story if it's really effective. Portal being like a great example of that. Portal one and Portal two even more of the story existing in the universe you're playing and nowhere else, right? Like you're experiencing the story. And I think those are the games that really meet the narrative in the most effective way. What remains via Finch does this as well, because although the design is very like, you know where you're supposed to go. It's relatively well, like I uh, obvious where you're supposed to go, but you don't have to, you can go other places and there is stuff to find in those other places, like Easter egg visuals or stuff that uh, expands upon the story. So I think, that like the the real challenge when it comes to putting a narrative in a video game is making the narrative the experience and not just something that is like tacked on via cutscenes or just is ignored completely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or just becomes super convoluted because there's so much random crap in it because you want like to saturate your game with side quests so that the player will play for like a hundred hours and then the main story gets lost because like everyone in the main story is talking about how urgently things need to happen and then you go to a side quest where you like help a llama get across the street <laughs> while like a city is getting like destroyed right yeah 
I uh, I had that, you know, I liked Red Dead Redemption 2 a lot, and mm-hmm. I thought its narrative was really, I really enjoyed its narrative. Um, but that was one thing. Like, you could get to a certain point in the story and then, like, literally just hunt around and shit, like, indefinitely right. and never move so the story arbitrary. forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and, I hate when that happens to be an open world. I think it's one of the reasons uh, I've shied away from open world games more yeah. and more. I to uh, and I'm actually just thinking about it. Overall, though, I do feel that Red Dead Redemption Two, in particular, compared to like the one game I thought did it mediocre to say at best, it was Destiny Two. It had this uh-huh. kind of concept: um, play some missions, get some worlds open. You could fuck around indefinitely and then decide to play more missions and get the other worlds open. Um, Red Dead would, there were points where it, it did kind of like, there's a point where you go to Cuba. That was, there wasn't any like kind of free roaming there. It was like just, they moved you along the narrative at that point. Um, and there would be points where the, I, I'm going to honestly, uh, now that I'm kind of thinking about it, generally speaking, Red Dead would did it pretty tastefully, in my opinion, um, where they there were moments in the narrative where it really should just move forward and they forced you to. Um, right. So anyway, um, now. Interesting. You said you didn't really, you know, you don't really care for open world ones. I want to cycle back to another game. You said Portal 1 and Portal 2. I haven't played Portal 2, but I played most uh-huh. of Portal 1. But and, without um, sound, so it doesn't count. Not tr- so not true. I played like 90% with sound. of the story is presented in the I sound. I played with sound. The problem is that um, I didn't pay like a lot of attention to the sound, mm-hmm. uh, it, and it wasn't necessarily loud. But like it was there. And I missed it. Like we yeah. we talk about all the time. You're like I uh, I talk to you or talk to other people, and they're like, yeah, you know, what did you think of the story so far? And I haven't finished it, but I'm just like, well, like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, what's the name of the robot? Glados, right? Glados. Uh huh. They're like she's kind of like kind of funny, you know, like the aggressively funny or passively aggressive, whatever. I'm like, not to me. She's just <laughs> like a listening. robot yeah. that's just talking. So yeah. <laughs> just um. The point being there, I'm not saying Portal should have had cutscenes, but if it had cutscenes, I would have known GLaDOS was like actually there. But I think uh, the game would have sucked if it had cutscenes. I don't like, think the fact yeah. that she's talking to you while you're experiencing the puzzle like m- is so much more meaningful than if you just like watched her talk and then played the puzzle with nothing. Yeah. Like I, I think the seamless integration of the narrative with the gameplay is like what makes video games amazing. And like I think games didn't take advantage of it like seriously until recently. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to say I also think the technology in games has improved such that they can kind of communicate the cinematic idea they want to yes, better, you know? Totally, without needing to pre-render a cutscene to get the like visual things across yeah. or um, like I, the uh, camera control. Yeah, sorry. Another ahead. game to bring up is like Gone Home. And uh, other walking simulators, not uh, like uh, that came before. What remains of Edith Finch, like Gone Home, and everybody's gone to the Rapture, and some other games like that. Firewatch are really about discovering the story for yourself and like finding the pieces and piecing them together. Another game that does this really well is Return of the Obra Jin. This is basically like a mystery detective game where you're like exploring scenes and finding clues and synthesizing things on your own, and it like it doesn't hold your hand at all, but the story is all there for you to find. Like these are the kinds of experiences that can't be accomplished like literally cannot be accomplished by movies maybe by books if you format a book in a really unique way but definitely not by movies or tv right like movies and tv can leave out information and give you clues and stuff but 
they can't then like unless they hide stuff in the background really sneakily or whatever right like there's there's just a, such a deeper pool for you to like create these really unique discovery experiences in video games and i think that's one of the most appealing like story related things about video games like y- you know what i mean yep like in subnautica um, when you find the like huge fish for the first time or whatever like right. in a movie that would have been teased and then you would have seen it but when it's like organically you doing it and you just like happen to wander into a weird spot and see it that is such a, so much more intensive experience than like the shark coming in jaws or whatever no, uh, yeah absolutely or at least it has a unique a uniqueness to it um I think it's just much more immersive, right? And that's like the big thing. Immersion is like what defines video game narratives. Yeah. It can yeah. Assuming that the rest of the game um I, I think that's another thing that games have struggled until maybe recently with the technology upgrades is the the technology just gets pulls you out of the experience sometimes. Um Yeah, sure, it totally can. The third person camera is like such a good example. Of my beef with the third person camera, like playing, I remember playing some of the old RPGs, like the even the Final Fantasy X. I remember very specifically there was this one section where I think I just had a bug or some shit because I got in the wall with the, with the camera somehow, and something significant happened and I missed the whole fucking scene because my camera is behind the wall. I'll never yeah. forget because then I get into this like blitzball tournament. So anyway, like. Um, I agree with you, and I th- I agree, and I think that's worth emphasizing that the um, the fact that the player initiates I I I don't necessarily care for the example, but in the Call, Call of Duty Modern Warfare campaign that just came out, at the very end, you're faced in front of the terrorists, and you need to pull the trigger to shoot the guy. Um, you do, and there's no bullet and whatever the fuck. But um, you the, have to pull the trigger. You don't have to. You don't have to. Okay. Um, but the po- the point being that, but then you do, and there's no bullet, so it's the same either way. I think that there's a way that you can do like, like three a different false dichotomy. Things. Yeah, I'm not. I I I uh, I don't remember if there's a third option where like you actually can legit kill the guy. But the point is, this guy's the bad guy the whole game, and at the very end, his like wife and son are there too, and so. When you make that decision, it's a lot different than you watch a movie of the character doing it. You know, like it's true. You like, pulled the trigger. You know what right, I mean? You pressed F to pay respects. Yes. <laughs> um, I it, I don't know if you remember in one of our first podcasts I talked about The Last of Us and how at the end of that game there's a really important decision that Joel has to make, but you have no choice. Like the game basically stalls right until you do the thing that you have to do. Mm-hmm. That's like really bad and not something like you as the player want to do at all, but it's definitely what Joel would do in the situation. But they don't just make it a cutscene where Joel does it. Like mm-hmm. you have to initiate this action, doing this horrible thing, and basically like dooming the world because of his life. And it, like, so that is has was like one of the most effective story experiences I've ever had. Right? Even though there was literally one option, right? Like you will do that, otherwise the get you just stop playing the game, I guess. Right? Yeah. But even still, just the fact that you had to click that button made it so much more meaningful and just more thought provoking right then you think about like why do i have to do this and you're like oh i guess because no matter what in this situation this is the decision he would make even if that's not the decision i would make mm-hmm. yeah there's definitely uh like how does that happen in a movie ever right no the best you can do is hope to create a character that the viewer can 
fill themselves into, you know, and experience right. vicariously. That well, like way. a sympathetic villain, right? Like someone who you can yeah. relate to and like feel sympathy for, even though they're making these bad decisions, right? But yeah. here, you're literally making the bad decision, even if you don't really have a choice. There's still like a feeling there for sure. Yeah. No, I I think that games, uh, and this is maybe the last thing I have to say until and you, if you want to wrap up, but games have a unique a unique opportunity to communicate um, an element of the of human experience that um, is otherwise hard to capture in the other medium. Specifically, it's like something we've talked about a lot of times, like these like subjective reality bubbles that we find ourselves in, right? Like a person um, is born and like has the biological characteristics they have and then subsequently experiences a bunch of things and also processes that related to like the context they find themselves in. There's so much that a person arrives to a point where they have like their reality and it's potentially so different from the person next to them who may have experienced like literally the same shit like in a lot of from a metrics and statistics kind of standpoint but yet they like come out with such a maybe different perspective or experience and um games have maybe an opportunity a unique opportunity to help us like you just said like put yourself literally in the shoes of these different players i mean this is not the most narratively crazy thing by any means okay don't get me like don't i'm not saying this is like the craziest story execution ever but in halo 2 <laughs> you a game you, that relies almost entirely on cutscenes for story first of all i didn't touch on this if we do a part two we can but i was going to say like i enjoy cutscenes in games um i don't necessarily think all games I, should do them i would argue that you haven't played enough games that don't do cutscenes to say this though yeah, uh, all the games that I played with with cutscenes, I like. It kind of is like mm-hmm. a dessert at the end of my gameplay. Like I played yeah. the game, I beat the level, and ah, I get a reward. I mean, yes, and that's what I said, right? That's in my opinion the lazy way to do a story, but it is effective, right? Because it's basically a game and a movie next to each other, right? Yeah, and you have both, right? And it's it's fine. It works, and it worked forever. But but I, I also am saying, yeah. like, what I'm saying is at the same time, I think that's not taking advantage of the unique. Exactly, it's just not taking advantage of the, the medium. Has. Um, you anyway, could, you were saying in Halo 2. In Halo 2, like six missions in, you play as, you take over and play as the guy, the elite, the alien, if you will, that was responsible for the fleet that was making sure Master Chief didn't blow up the Halo in the first game. Uh-huh. So ba- basically, this guy gets owned by like the um, hierarchical leaders of the covenant they disown like virtually disown him send him on a suicide mission as punishment and you start playing as him um in my opinion it was like a it was extremely enjoyable and i loved taking care of him he's very different from the master chief who is just a shell of a character has no kind of narrative beat this guy actually the arbiter has character development he goes from this like religious zealous point of view at the beginning of the game to by the end of the game realizing like he's getting manipulated and all the shit and like allying with the good guys so like his story is actually from a narrative perspective much more meaningful and impactful than like master chief master chief's just a badass blowing shit up you know so um anyway i thought that was a cool that that's an example of game i thought that a a game taking advantage of the medium to put you literally in the shoes of the other side you know i mean they could have shown you the perspective from both sides but i think playing it right is very meaningful especially if the experience is well tailored right 
Yeah, you, it was. You yeah, just feel going. it more, right? You feel like you experienced it, and that that definitely changes like the the experience as a whole. I think, right? Like no, you was, were the one cool. who made the decisions. You were the one who did the things, right? Yeah, and it, even it was though cool you weren't really to get like the perspective of the the bad guys, if you will, because you're in their ships. You know, you're patrolling with them now. They're talking to you about. It's like you do get to see the other perspective. Um, right. So it's cool. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, I um, I honestly, this just this this just makes me excited to like show you a bunch of games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it shall happen. I think a lot of people really don't realize like how unbelievable the like narrative experiences you can get in video games are because people just generally aren't playing those games as much, right? Like yep. these games, like What Remains of Edith Finch, Return of the Obergen, are not getting the like hype. Oh, Outer Wilds, another game that's unbelievable. Um, for story exposition, um, like all these games that are hugely acclaimed, just don't get as much play, right? So it'd be yeah. it, this is cool why to yeah, sorry, I hope ahead. to show people like that these games exist, so that yeah, I'm excited can see these experiences. I'm excited to play through them. I mean, this is why I think no matter what you know platform you will you sign your allegiance to or whatever the fuck, you should be happy about the success that the PlayStation Studios had last generation because they're exclusives are like all single player story narrative driven games yeah you know it's true um it which and i that, yeah go, go ahead. ahead no i was, no, just, I was gonna, just gonna say the game <laughs> the games that the epic store features uh yeah. the epic store has also done an amazing job of featuring a bunch of these like narrative driven really unique experience kind of games and i i like just commend them as well considering they made Fortnite, it's cool to see them <laughs> be like hey look there are good games around too we don't just need our cash monster well it's kind of like you're saying like different games there's those three categories you outlined one that's narrative focus one that's gameplay focus and one that try to kind of blend the two and yeah. i i think that it makes sense that a lot of the games that you see coming out of AAA studios are aimed at maximizing profit and engagement and many times the like even though the PlayStation Studios sold a bunch of copies of their game the average amount of time spent on a multiplayer game compared to a game that does not right. offer multiplayer is significantly more which of course. raises the opportunity for engagement and monetization opportunities so it kind of makes sense that you see a lot of AAA studios although that's well, why i'm saying I also that's why think we should be pretty the, the, it's very superficial right like people's perception of games is relatively superficial so yeah. of course like someone's gonna be more driven to a gameplay experience than a narrative experience because they're like oh it's just an, like i can get a story from a movie if i wanted a story i would watch a movie right and quite frankly it's i still think i still really strongly believe it's not easy to do like you you know you can't i don't i think it's probably a little easier to make something that's fun gameplay wise it like at a c level than it is to make like a c plus level narrative in a game uh Ab absolutely yeah so to, to build the universe it just takes a lot more effort right and a completely different kind of effort than yes. the gameplay design takes and there's um there's some stories cory barlog was talking about it in uh it's some youtube video but like you can't it's not, uh, for example, if you're, if you're a game that with no narrative and you pump out 15 levels and you're getting close to ship and you realize you need to cut three and you cut three, then fine, whatever. Like you cut three, but you, if you have, if your narrative is like front and center, you can't just do that. Like right. you, you wreck the, the story. Like anyway, I, I personally think 
Halo 5's campaign sucked for that reason. I think shit got cut, and then it was hard to salvage the story. Yeah, games that are seriously designed around narrative have to be designed around narrative from the beginning. And up front, like, priority. Yeah, up front, right, totally. Because the second you, like, start scrambling up that narrative, you go downhill fast. Yep. So, yeah, these AAA studios, not only are they trying to maximize profit and everything, but they're trying to minimize risk. And so when you've pumped out multiplayer kind of things before it's risky to be like let's try you know that's why it's cool um what respawn got succeeded with on jedi fallen order right respawn being apex legends and titanfall and then uh although titanfall 2's campaign was apparently uh, super tons good. of people believe that that is one of the best games ever made yeah yeah a lot people of, love that game so um you know respawns is just a great studio but yeah jedi fallen order was a single player you know, it was an action game, but it was still like there's a narrative involved, whatever. So it was yes. it's it's risky. That campaign was Liddy, Rollick says in in chat. Pog. And, so. we'll, and we'll end with that. So where can people <laughs> find us? You can find us at KOKoalaEntertainment.com. There you have links to all our social media, including our Instagram, most of all our Discord. Control the Discord. Yeah. And Woo. come uh come hang out, come research. Woo. Um Gain some rewards. We do giveaways all over the place. Uh, and Anthony yes. loves giving away free stuff, so come get Anthony's free stuff. I, I do. You guys like getting free stuff. I like giving away free stuff. So, yeah, check it out. Please consider supporting our studio with some epic merch. We have this shirt, the summer Qualitech shirt. Like, literally, the, sh- the shirt and design is going away after the summer ends. And look. Look at this thing. Ooh, it's the same design, but it's holographic, and it's That's sick as sweet. Fuck. Yeah, this yeah. one's a little tiny, but we're getting them a, a little bigger. We may even, you'll see, we're going to do some surprises with these. Um, anyway, yeah, thank you. If you do, Sweet. We, would, we would love it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, let, let us know, know what, what you, you want to hear. Yep. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I went for audacity and I just turned off Discord.